Welcome back to the Foodpocalypse Now podcast. I'm Chris Baker from Foodpocalypse Now, welcoming you back and welcoming myself back. It's been a hot minute since I've done the podcast, but uh, just trying to uh, step back. Uh, I kind of jumped into this, jumped into the uh, the uh, videos for the Snack Attack series, and I've got a lot of other things planned, but kind of felt like I was rushing into things and not really taking my time to kind of plot things out, and of course, uh, t- took a break to come up with some ideas and see really where I want this podcast to go, and kind of kind of have an idea. As much as I'm kind of a fly by the seat of my pants guy, so no matter how much I plot and plan, uh, it all really boils down to <laughs> when I get in the moment, what I'm actually going to do. And of course, Food Apocalypse Now's podcast, a revelation of all things Food Apocalypse Now. We're going to talk about food, but we're going to talk about other things. And uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about in this podcast is my mother in law had a birthday the other day. And uh, my wife came to me. She's like, uh, I made a cheesecake for her back uh, in November. And I made a uh, pumpkin cheesecake. And I'd never made a cheesecake before. I haven't done a lot of baking in a long time. And it was kind of the first chance to really get back into to doing some baking. I'm not by any stretch of the imagination a chef or a baker, but I like to do those things at home uh, on, a, on a small scale and uh, enjoy that. So uh, I made her a... A pumpkin cheesecake. I found a recipe that I liked and uh, dove into it, and it actually turned out pretty good. Other than the huge gaping crack down the middle, it was like the Grand Canyon uh, in the middle of this cheesecake. But we'll get to that uh, uh, a little bit later. But uh, but she loved it and asked me if I would make a cheesecake for her mom for for Mother's Day slash birthday. They're stays apart, so it was kind of a, a combination of both. So again, I, I set out to, to find another recipe that I thought looked good. Like I said, I, I have only made one cheesecake, so I didn't have a recipe on hand, but I think I found a pretty good uh, classic cheesecake recipe. Uh, I kind of searched the internet, did some searches, and found one. And you can find this. Uh, I posted this on the Facebook page for Food Apocalypse now, and I've also uh, got the link to it there. So you can check it out, but uh, check out sallysbakingaddiction.com and just look up her classic cheesecake recipe. And it's got all the classic components, uh, cream cheese, uh, a little bit of sour cream, sugar, some vanilla extract, uh, lemon juice, and eggs. Uh, I know some people call for a little bit of flour in as a binding agent, but this didn't call for it, and I don't think it needed it because uh, for me and... Uh, and everyone that's had it so far, it was perfect the way it was, but uh, but made this uh, cheesecake. And uh, one of the mistakes I found I made, a couple big mistakes in my first uh, cheesecake attempt that I tried to rectify in this one is one, overmixing. I wanted to make sure this was blended and smooth the first time I made a cheesecake for my wife. And I may have, uh, but most definitely did overmix the cheesecake. Uh the other thing I did wrong, and it really wasn't my fault. I mean, I knew that some people called for a water bath when they do cheesecakes, but the recipe I had for the pumpkin cheesecake uh, did not call for a water bath, so I did not use one. And, uh, of course, I, I paid the price because there was a huge crack down the middle of that delicious cheesecake. So while it was tasted fantastic uh, when I made that back in November, uh, it just uh, it was a sight to be seen uh, with that huge uh, gaping crack down the middle of it. But I I learned my lesson. 
which is what you got to do when it comes to baking and cooking. You got to learn your lesson and uh, don't repeat mistakes. That's a life lesson as well, not just cooking and baking. But at any rate, I decided I'm going to do a water bath. The recipe called for a water bath. Whether it did or not, I was going to do a water bath. And uh, a lot of recipes call for wrapping your springform pan with tin foil, uh, aluminum foil. And I, I thought that's great, but you know, everyone I've talked to that's done that, it's kind of hit or miss whether water's going to seep in. And I didn't want to take any chances. So uh, actually my mother-in-law got this for my brother-in-law back in Christmas last year. And I, I can't remember if he said he used it or not yet, and but it seemed like a great idea. It seemed like a solid way to keep water from getting into your springform pan when you're doing a cheesecake water bath. It's a uh, easy bath cheesecake wrap. Uh, I think there's a couple different types there, but that's the one I used. Uh, I purchased that, put this springform pan into that, put that down in the water bath, filled up water. Perfect. Uh, no water got into the uh, to the springform pan, and uh, the water bath saved the day because there were no cracks in this cheesecake that I made for my mother-in-law. And we just did a simple cheesecake. She, I mean, she'll eat some of the crazier, but she doesn't like a lot of fruit and, and nonsense going on. She's she's likes, she's old school. She likes just a, a plain piece of cheesecake, maybe with a little, I decided I was going to make a raspberry uh, sauce to drizzle over top of this, uh, the, the pieces of cheesecake. I wanted to leave it pristine in case anybody wanted uh, just a regular piece of cheesecake, but I made this raspberry sauce. Again, uh, checked out recipes online. I had made one years ago, and it turned out really well, but I never saved the recipe. Uh, I've got a bad habit of that, not finding recipes and not saving them. Uh, but I found one that was comparable. And uh, of all places, Taste of Home had it, and it was a very simple uh, raspberry sauce. It's just fresh raspberries or frozen raspberries, like I used. Uh, uh, water, uh, about a cup and a third of uh, a cup and three quarters of water. Uh, some sugar, uh, three quarters of a cup. Probably could have used a little bit more sugar. Uh, and a couple tablespoons of cornstarch that you mix with water and, and kind of use as a thickener. But uh, uh, that recipe also is on the. Uh, Facebook page, uh, the Food Apocalypse Now Facebook page, where I posted about this uh, cheesecake. It's in the comments. You can click on the uh, the Taste of Home uh, link there and check out this. But great sauce. It could have used a little bit more sugar. My wife thought it was just at times a little too tart. I like a little tartness, especially like on a cheesecake, because it kind of cuts through all the richness of the uh, cream cheese and and the sugar and I didn't mind that it was a little tart. Now that it is, uh, you know, it makes a, a good two cups worth. And I've got it in the refrigerator uh, waiting to use on some ice cream or something like that once we finish all of the cheesecake. But uh, as it's sit there over the past uh, few days, it, it seems to have mellowed out in the tartness a little bit. So if you want to make it early and and then kind of use it if you're if you're not big on tartness, or like I said, you could have added a little bit more sugar, and and that may have may have helped maybe make it not so tart. But like I said, I like the tartness. I like how it uh, kind of cut through the richness richness of the cheesecake. And uh, for all intents and purposes, uh, this cheesecake I made for my uh, my mother in law's Mother's Day slash birthday uh, was a huge success. And as I said, we've got the uh, links to the recipes 
uh, on the Facebook page. So go check out Foopocalypse Now on Facebook and uh, scroll down until you get the the cheesecake recipe. There's pictures and in the comments the recipes for both the cheesecake and the uh, raspberry sauce that I used uh, for the cheesecake as well. And uh, you know what? That kind of really, there's no no great segue into what we're going to talk about next, other than it's kind of this uh, this past week. Uh, while I'm making cheesecake for my my mother-in-law, I discovered a new show. Not a new show. Actually, the show's been out for a little while, and it's a show I've wanted to watch. Uh, we got HBO Max here not too long ago because uh, the new Godzilla movie was coming out on that, and something else was coming out on that. I can't think of what it was, but while we've got HBO Max... I decided, you know, there's some things I want to watch that were on there. And one of the things, I'm a huge Stephen King fan. Love Stephen King. I've not read all his books, but I'm working on it. I'm trying to get back into reading more. I used to read all the time and just, you know, life and and whatnot. I just kind of haven't taken the time to read as much as I would like. So I'm getting back into reading and this has kind of prompted that because they have that limited series, a mini series called The Outsider on HBO. And if you've watched it, you know how good it's classic Stephen King. It really is. Uh, if you haven't watched it, this is going to be full of I'm trying not to be. I'll try not to be too spoilery, but there's going to be some spoilers, I'm sure, because I just can't control myself. So if you haven't watched it, you may want to, I don't know, fast forward to the end or something. But at any rate, uh it's something you're going to watch whether I spoil it for you or not. I spoil things for myself all the time. Looking things up on Wikipedia, uh, watching reaction videos and things like that. Spoil things all the time. And if it's good enough, I'm not going to care. I'm not going to care whether it was spoiled for me. Now, there's some things where I do not want to be spoiled. And I, I stay away from things like that. But sometimes I'm my own worst enemy when it comes to spoiling things. But uh, I did not spoil anything for myself with The Outsider uh, because it was one of those books from Stephen King that I had not read yet and I I liked how it looked. It looked at, yeah, it kind of had that classic, uh, very ominous, eerie feel to the trailers and things like that and Jason Bateman's in it and uh, I've always, I've always liked the things that he's been in. Um, I, I'm not going to go and say I'm a, the biggest Jason Bateman fan or a huge fan of his, uh, but I enjoy a lot of things. I'm looking forward to Ozark on Netflix. Uh, he's in that, and I'm, I'm looking forward to watching that. I've kind of put that off for far too long and realized that, you know, I need to check out this show. But, but at any rate, The Outsider, uh, what a, a fantastic Fantastic. If you like horror, if you like Stephen King, it's such a great story. And it's it's so classic Stephen King because it's, you know, you've got all these people doing different things and then they all kind of mesh up together at the end to form this group to fight the monster. And it, it's just a very classic uh, way of Steve, Stephen King develops stories. And it's such a such a sad it's kind of it's kind of got a a sad tone to it because uh people you know in any stephen king story somebody's gonna die and uh some people die in this that you some you think are gonna die some you don't think are gonna die and uh, like i said i'm not gonna give anything away there but uh really enjoyed this because it brings back a character that he has used in some of his other stories uh especially the mr mercedes uh, movies, right? Not movies, but the uh, books and the uh, TV show. Uh, Holly Gibney is uh, a big character 
and those Mr. Mercedes books and that whole storyline. And uh, she was actually portrayed in the Mr. Mercedes show by Justine Loop. And I, I thought she did such a fantastic job. It really embodied what I understood of this character and who this character was. And she really set the bar quite high for, for my expectations of who Holly Gibney was going to be. Now, suffice it to say that when you watch The Outsider, it is a, a completely different actress playing the Holly Gibney role. And at first I was like, ah, oh, you know, I've got this, I've got this image in my head. I've got this actress who portrayed the, the character much to how I pictured the character when I read the books. And, and, you know, the actress who plays Holly Gibney in the outsider is quite different. Cynthia, uh, Ervo, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly. I apologize if I'm not, but the more I watched her, and, and the more I got to see her as this character, she did such a fantastic job. She really embodied uh, a lot of the quirks because the Holly Gibney character is character she's a savant. Uh, she's kind of on the spectrum. Uh, she's OCD. She just has all these characteristics about her that make her character unique and uh, not something you see a ton of uh, in horror movies, let alone in, in TV shows in general. And... Justine played that so well. I was afraid, you know, it was going to come across as like a caricature, but uh, but Cynthia Erivo did a spectacular job with the character. Very much, uh, it was very much akin to to what Justine uh, Loop did with the Mr. Mercedes uh, Finders Keepers and watch, uh, you know, those novels, that trilogy of novels, what she did with that show, and uh, Cynthia Erivo. Like again, hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly, but she did a spectacular job. And that character, the Holly Gibney character, she she brought it to life again on the screen and was really uh, one of my favorite parts of this uh, Outsider miniseries. And so check it out. Uh, it's such a spectacular, uh, you know, it's just, it's just a miniseries. It's one of those where you, at the end of a Stephen King novel, I just always feel like I wish this story could keep going because he writes such fantastic characters and such fantastic uh, circumstances with which these characters are in that you just don't want it to end. And that's kind of how it was with this show. And any good Stephen King, uh, whether it's a miniseries, whether it's a television series, whether it's a movie, you just don't want it to end. And, uh, but unfortunately, because of the way, you know, like I said, Stephen King, somebody's dying. <laughs> it really couldn't go on. Uh, I think there's probably room for a sequel. Uh, if Stephen King writes one, I don't think they're going to do another miniseries, uh, that's not based on a Stephen King book because Stephen King was pretty hands-on from what I understand in the making of the outsider miniseries for HBO. But, uh, but there's room. I, I think there's room for a sequel, and I would welcome that. Uh, bringing back the Holly Gibney character, bringing back this, you know, this entity that uh, is uh, is causing such problems in 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 the town that they're in. But uh, but I what I'm looking forward to more is to see Stephen King and HBO doing more things together. I really hope that uh, Stephen King and HBO come up with some some other ways to present some of his stories because I think that's the best way to do Stephen King. I love a good Stephen King movie, but Stephen King movies always seem to fall short 
because A, uh, I, I don't think Stephen King's usually involved as much or as hands-on, and you get directors that kind of want to do their own thing. That was the problem I had with It. Uh, you know, the, the director did a great job casting. The cast, whether it's the kids or the adult versions of the kids, was just spot on. Pennywise, uh, Bill Skarsgård uh, did a spectacular job as Pennywise, but there were just aspects of the movie that just weren't in the book. And, and that kind of bothers me. So, you know, you get that a lot with Stephen King movies. And and sometimes the movies are just too short to encapsulate everything that these rich worlds Stephen King's and these rich characters that Stephen King creates. It's, it's kind of hard to fit it all into an hour and a half, two hour, even a three hour movie. So I think, you know, doing a, a show... Or, or even better, uh, some of these miniseries. Uh, some of the miniseries that he's done for like ABC, like uh, The Stand and uh, The Shining, were some great examples of how Stephen King's work is is better suited for the miniseries format. And with HBO, you're, it's kind of no holds barred. You can get as gory as you want. You can have people dropping the f bomb. Uh, I know, you know, some people may be uh, averse to that, but. In Stephen King's books, the language can be a little salty. And sometimes you just got to hike up your big girl pants and just deal with it. But uh, but with HBO, you get the freedom that you don't get with uh, with network television and all the, you know, censorship that goes on there and the standards and practices that go on in network television. So I, I really think HBO and Stephen King, they've got the makings of a great relationship and really kind of excited. Uh, Netflix as well. Some of the things uh, that I've seen, like Gerald's Game on Netflix, uh, 1922, I believe, was on there. Um, the one with uh, Thomas... Uh, Thomas Jane, uh, and also the one he did with his son, Joe Hill, The Tall Grass. Uh, Netflix is a great vehicle for Stephen King's work, and I'm really hoping to see more work with him and HBO and Netflix as well, because I think there's just so much room for great adaptations of uh, Stephen King's work, which I, like I said, I'm a huge fan of. And of course, uh, watching The Outsider made me realize that, uh, you know, I haven't read Stephen King in a long time, and I've never read this book. I never read The Outsider, and it made me decide that, you know what, I'm going to I'm gonna try to get back into reading. So I went out, I went to Amazon, and purchased The Outsider in a novel form, and uh, started reading that this, this weekend. So I'm really kind of excited about, one, seeing how close the miniseries is to the book, because I'm, I'm a bit of a purist. When it comes to Stephen King's work, I want to see a fair and fair, mostly accurate representation i understand you know artistic license and you can't do everything in a show that you can in the book but i want to see the adaptation on the screen i want it to match up as close as it can to the book that i read the book that i fell in love with i've seen so many books uh from stephen king's just the the movie adaptations just like that that new version of pet cemetery was just an abomination i know there's a bunch of people out there that just love it they think it's the greatest thing since sliced bread i'm like seriously do you even like stephen king because that was not the book and i want to see the book now i know the the dale midkiff uh 
one from back in the 90s with Fred Gwynn. Uh, that that pet cemetery was was pretty accurate. There again, it just wasn't long enough. There just wasn't enough real estate to bring Stephen King's whole world onto that big screen. So it was it was good, but it wasn't as great as it could have been. And you know that's one of those instances where you know the movies just don't live up to the book, and uh, that's what. Uh, that's the problem I have with a lot of uh, Stephen King adaptations, uh, especially for movies. But there again, like I said, uh, HBO did a fantastic job with The Outsider, and I'm excited to uh, to finish The Outsider book and see, you know, just how close they got to the the source material. Uh, it's one of those things where, you know, when I read the book first, it sets such a high bar that uh, I don't know if there are very many movies or miniseries or tv shows that can live up to it uh sometimes there are i thought the stephen king um the shining that he did for abc with stephen weber and rebecca de mornay at that was as close to the book as you could get it was so far it was so not the the stanley kubrick shining stanley kubrick shining was just a a veiled you know adaptation it was it was so not the book i mean it had a lot of the same tropes as the book a lot of the same you know characters and things that happened but it just in very in so many regards it was not the book and i think that's why stephen king has always kind of had a problem with it whether he admits it from time to time or not but that that version of the shining that abc miniseries was spot on and that was one of the rare cases where i read the book and a a on-screen version of it kind of lived up to what I loved about the book. But a lot of times I read the book and I watch the movie and I always end up a little disappointed. Now there are some cases like this where I haven't read the book yet. I've seen this adaptation and I enjoyed the adaptation. So I'm hoping that once I read the book, I'm not going back and say, oh, I wish they would have done this because this was in the book and they, they didn't even touch it. I don't think so. I think this was probably fairly... Uh, fairly faithful to the source material. Like I said, I think Stephen King was uh, was much involved with this uh, adaptation of The Outsider. But like I said, I'm really excited to find out how that all plays out. And once I finish the book, I'll probably do another uh, do another podcast where I blather on about Stephen King and books versus adaptations. But I promise I won't do that to you every time. Sometimes. But not every time. But check it out. If you haven't seen The Outsider on HBO Max, definitely worth it. Uh, they got a lot of great shows on there. Uh, definitely worth picking up and checking out. We've been wa- My wife and I have been watching The Nevers, which uh, I don't know if very many people have checked this out yet. But I just we've just both fallen in love with the show. Such a great world. Uh, I know Joss Whedon came up with it, and he's got to be in hot water these days. I don't want to get into that. But... Uh, if you like good stories, I think it's a good story. Uh, it's got interesting characters, and it's one of those things where extraordinary characters in extraordinary circumstances always makes for a compelling show to me, and that's what you get with The Never. So really excited. Maybe, maybe we'll do a podcast once the uh, finale. I think the finale is this weekend, and uh, we'll kind of go over uh, my thoughts on that show uh, there again. Food Apocalypse Now podcast is a revelation of all things Food Apocalypse Now, not just food, but the other things foodies like, uh, other things I like, uh, books, TV, music, God knows what. 
Uh, I'm going to talk about it all right here. So I want to thank everyone for tuning in. Check us out on our website, foodpocalypsenow.com. You can also check us out on Facebook, uh, Instagram, and of course, we've got the podcast as well on uh, on Spotify and uh, in other places. We always put it on YouTube as well. Check out our YouTube channel because we've got these Snack Attack video series and working on some other things, working on other different types of podcasts, uh, working on some other ideas for uh, uh, things to present on the YouTube channel as well. And uh, please go like all those platforms, like our stuff on there, uh, share them and uh, get the word out because... You know, we're not doing this uh, to get rich and famous. Uh, we're doing it because we love it and loving sharing, uh, you know, the things we love, food and all the things that, like I said, foodies like. We don't. I I've always said that foodies don't just sit around looking at pictures of food all day. We like other things as well. And if I can tie food and the other things I love together and present that to you, uh, hopefully you enjoy that. So thanks for listening. Check us out on our website, foodpocalypsenow.com, Facebook. Uh, Instagram, YouTube, all those other places. Like, share, and until next time, have a great one.